Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34th. media and the public can now access Los Angeles Superior Court cases remotely. Presiding Judge Eric C. Taylor says the goal is to ensure public access during the pandemic while also keeping up with social distancing requirements in the Los Angeles County courthouses. There will also be a limited number of courtroom seats available. Members of the public have to get approval first through email. Katie Johnston for CBS LA. Good evening, everyone. I am Sean Beckner Carmichael with District 34. I am on a Zoom call with Rebecca Brown, who is a legal fellow with Courtwatch Los Angeles. Rebecca, how are you? Hi, Sean. I'm doing well. Stayed busy over here. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I it's it's also been busy for for alternative news. <laughs> um, could you talk a little bit about what Courtwatch Los Angeles is? Um, so Courtwatch Los Angeles is a volunteer-driven organization um, that focuses on furthering transparency in the misdemeanor courts in Los Angeles. Uh, so we're, when we're not in pandemic times, what we're primarily doing is training volunteers to go into misdemeanor courtrooms across the LA Superior Court system to basically observe what's going on. because. Um, misdemeanor courtrooms are kind of a mystery in LA and across the country. Um, the judges have a ton of discretion, the prosecutors have a ton of discretion, and this is where we see our most vulnerable uh, neighbors be being criminalized. So people of color, low-income people, unhoused people are all being criminalized through this system, and that comes into play with all the discretion that the judges and the other folks in the system have. So normally we're in watching for troubling issues going on, such as racism, bias, uh, you know, bail setting practices. Um, but since the pandemic's been happening, um, it's not really safe to send our volunteers into court and we've kind of shifted our model. Um, so now we're pretty much operating off of tips um, from people who've been in court. So that includes attorneys, um, you know, people who are there for their own cases, family members, uh, even court employees have been reaching out to us. Um, and, you know, we're just kind of playing everything by ear right now, um, but we've just kind of turned into focusing on reporting on the really unsafe um, practices that are going on in the courts right now with COVID. Uh, so just to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned that in misdemeanor courts, the judges and prosecutors have a lot of discretion. Um, could you go into that a little bit for a layman, what that discretion is? Right. Um, so, you know, it starts with what charges are filed for someone, um, you know, after they're arrested. First, the prosecuting agency, whether it's a city attorney's office, the district attorney's office, um, there's also some smaller cities have their own uh, prosecutors like Santa Monica, uh, Long Beach, like that. Um, they're deciding, you know, after someone's arrested, do we want to press charges against this person and what are these charges going to be? Um, so, you know, some they could opt and say, you know, this isn't that serious of a situation, we don't need to file any charges right now. Or they could say, you know, let's look and see how many different possible charges could apply to the situation and rack them up and get the maximum for whatever reason they might want to do that. And then it continues in the courtroom in terms of, you know, your next step is really going to be bail setting. Is the person going to be incarcerated while they're waiting for their case to go to trial? Or are they going to be released and you know, be able to be back home with their family and their community and be trusted to come back into court. Um, and so that, again, is an area where 
the prosecutors are requesting and then the judges have their discretion. Of course, they are independent from the prosecutors and the defenders um, to you know, go with what the prosecutor suggest, even increase the bail beyond that. And then there's just kind of a lot, of, a lot of smaller steps in between with different kind of more technical things that I won't go into further detail on. Um, but, you know, we're, we're really seeing, you know, if someone's case is brought with one prosecuting agency and one judge, you know, it can be dismissed or they can face a small fine or something. But if it goes, it just so happens that their um, case ends up with a different prosecutor and a different judge, they can face an extensive jail sentence, essentially for the same offense. Got it. Um, and you mentioned that the, the, the so the, the district attorney's office is uh, elected. Uh, judges are elect are are city judges judges that are dealing with misdemeanor courts. Are they are they elected or appointed? They're elected generally um, every two years. If there is a vacancy that comes up, they they'll be appointed. Um, but definitely plug twenty twenty two. No one pays attention to judicial elections. No one knows the names on the ballot. We got to change that. Absolutely. So, so you have the, the prosecutors who are appointed by the district attorney who's elected, but the prosecutors themselves are not elected. And then there actually are some um, city attorney elections as well. So um, a lot to look forward to and, you know, a lot of ways that the community can kind of have some input here. So 2022 is a, it sounds like a really big year for judicial elections. Um, it's interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't going to go down this road, but I am curious where can people go to find out uh, judges' beliefs, how they're going to go through the judicial process while they're running? Because I think that maybe one of the issues is it can be really difficult to find information on judicial candidates. Yeah, that's absolutely 100% true. Um, I mean, myself, I'm always like Googling, you know, progressive voter guide <laughs> for the judges. Um, it's really hard to find this information. Um, but we actually do have an exciting project in the works that's being led by this really great organization called La Defensa that we're going to be supporting um, to build out a website where we're basically the public can submit um, basically reviews and ratings on judges. Um, and then we'll build out little biographies about the judges. So that will kind of be an area where all this information is contained together. Um, so that's kind of in the works now and will hopefully be up in a couple of months. So I'm hoping, you know, by the time 2022 rolls around, we'll have a lot of great information in there and that can be a resource um, for folks. I'm, lo I'm looking forward to talking to you when that's up. Yes. Uh, that, that sounds like a really useful tool. So let's backtrack a little bit um, for the real reason that I think we're talking. Um, courts are open. Yes. Um, misdemeanor courts are open. Are, are traffic courts open? Um, so kind of the rundown is courts are open um, in terms of the criminal courts are open, but jury trials are not happening right now. Um, so we're having arraignments are happening, other hearings um, are happening, some are being delayed. Um, traffic court, however, is open full steam ahead. Um, and some, some of the hearings can be conducted um, over the phone or online, but traffic trials, which are for traffic tickets, um, which is, you know, below misdemeanors, um, have to happen in person and are continuing to happen in person now, which in my opinion is unconscionable. Yeah, that's, uh, I think 58 people died in Los Angeles County yesterday of COVID. Um, so 
we're talking about, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Los Angeles is currently um, not just one of the cities and counties hit hardest in California, but it's one of the biggest hotspots in the United States. And not only that, but it's actually one of the biggest hotspots in the world. Would you argue that there's systems we could put in place to prevent any contact for trials at all right now or for uh, court at all? Right now? I mean, I think, you know, it's a complicated question, but I think there's absolutely steps that can be taken. Um, I think the first thing, kind of the biggest, I think most obvious thing is that we need to reevaluate what what uh, proceedings are essential. You know, traffic court does not need to be happening. Someone does not need to be coming into court over a ticket they got a few months ago. Just like shut that all down. Um, unlawful detainer trials are happening for evictions. Those do not need to be happening right now. There, we should absolutely not be evicting people when the pandemic is worse than it's ever been and only going to get worse from here. Um, so I think we need to reprioritize what's happening, but I do also believe that people who are uh, in custody, incarcerated right now, pretrial detention, do need to have their day in court. So what I think is that we need to reprioritize what's happening in our court buildings to try to minimize the number of people who have to be in there. Mm -hmm. And then from that, once folks do have to be in the court buildings, we need safe, safety precautions and guidelines to actually be followed. Um, you know, they do have the rules kind of on the books that, you know, you need to be wearing a mask, you need to be six feet apart. Um, that's, you know, it's not really enforced and it's not really happening. And in fact, some of the biggest perpetrators of not wearing masks are law enforcement, are the LASD deputies. We've been hearing time and time again, not wearing masks in the courthouses. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for eliminating a large chunk of these trials that don't need to be happening, those folks won't be in the court. And then, you know, also giving more leeway for jurors, you know, if we're going to be having trials for people who are incarcerated, which I do think need to happen and should be happening in, per in person for due process. Um, you know, we've had jurors who have very severe um, health conditions contact us and they're being forced to go into court, you know, so, you know, we shouldn't be forcing anyone to go in, but, you know, I, I do think it is a balancing act of you know, people have been incarcerated for months um, who've not even been convicted of a crime. Um, and so we need to help those people out as well. So you're saying that there's people that are just sort of in this legal limbo, they're not able to actually be, assuming that I'm sure that there's someone out there who has not committed the crime they're charged with. So you're saying that there's a significant amount of people who are just sort of in that legal limbo, they're just waiting for jury trial? Yep. Um, so right now in Los Angeles um, County, our jail population is above 15,000, which is approaching pre-pandemic levels. Um, and I think it's about over 8,000 of those people are in pre-trial detention. So that's over half of the people who are in our county jails right now have not been convicted of a crime and are simply waiting to have their trial. And, you know, as we know, this is going to be people who can't afford bail. This is, uh, you know, it's just two different systems of justice for those who can afford to pay bail, who are can be out home, you know, taking safety precautions, sheltering in place, and those who don't have financial resources who are in our jails, which are COVID hotbeds and are extremely unsafe right now. And so since our trials have been delayed, there hasn't really, 
there just haven't been any criminal trials happening. There was a small window um, for like two or three weeks where there were a few, but you know, over the summer months, there were no trials happening for people who were incarcerated. So, um, you know, people do have a constitutional right um, under the federal and California constitutions to a speedy trial that's being delayed and delayed and delayed. So people have been waiting since March to get a trial date. So what happens eventually, I'm assuming we're, we're, we're talking, it's, it's late December, what, what happens when the, the spread slows down? Is there going to be a backlog or are these people going to be waiting even longer because there are so many people waiting? Yeah, um, there already is a huge backlog um, and the public defenders have been getting extremely overwhelmed. I think right now there's like 7,000 outstanding cases um, in their backlog. So again, I think that's coming down to prioritizing to, well, first of all, releasing people from, from jail, from pretrial detention and prioritizing, um, you know, what trials need to go forward first, which would be for those who are in custody. And also, you know, I think that the district attorney's office, the city attorney's office and other prosecuting agencies need to look at you know, what cases are they bringing um, for low level offenses? Do we, when we have such a backlog of cases, do we need to be, you know, bringing, bringing this case for, you know, a loitering or something like that, or even, you know, sleeping on the sidewalk? Do we need to be bringing a case for someone for being unhoused? I don't think so. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the conditions in these courts. Um, I think I've, I've looked at your Twitter page or the Twitter page, excuse me, for Court Watch mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Um, and what I'm seeing is a lot of pictures of a lot of people during a pandemic where we're, we're approaching someone dying every few hours in Los Angeles. We're approaching this place where spread is just absolutely completely out of control. And I'm seeing on your Twitter page, hallways that are indoors, just absolutely filled with people. Oftentimes there's at least one person without a mask. What can we do to stop this? Um, I mean, this is again coming down to why are we bringing these people into court in the first place? The court, um, I guess it was in November, uh, did issue an order saying that people who are not parties to a case or attorneys, essentially members of the public, can't come into court. Uh, that's kind of seemed to have a minimal impact um, because we're still bringing so many people into the courthouses every day. You know, again, mask adherence is not 100%. Um, it's generally, you know, impossible to stay six feet apart as much as people are trying with that many people in a space you can't. Um, you know, also when you're having defendants or other parties to cases who need to talk to their lawyers, you can't have a private conversation with your attorney six feet apart. Mm -hmm. um, another issue we're seeing is the lockups, which are the kind of cells, small rooms that they're holding. Um, folks who are incarcerated and they're bringing them into their court date, they're putting them in these lockups. We're hearing, you know, first we got reports of um, certain court, I think Santa, Cl uh, Santa Clara, Santa Clara was um, big 20 people in a lockup. And then we're hearing from Pomona, they're having 50, 40 people in a lockup and other courthouses have reported similar numbers within a day. So you're putting people in these small rooms together, coming from, they can be coming from different jails into these small rooms together. It's extremely unsafe. Um, back in September, the Department of Health 
conducted some audits, I think of five different courthouses and specifically commented on the poor ventilation and the lockups, um, interview rooms, that there's not you know, enough hand sanitizer available. People are not adhering to the safety guidelines. So again, it starts with, let's re-examine how many people are coming into the courthouses in the first place and let's you know, actually take the CDC guidelines as seriously as possible. Are, are we seeing, uh, I know the deck, excuse me, we have a new district attorney, George Gaston. I know that he is stating that he's gonna do away with cash bail. Uh, do we find that when we release people, we let them know when their court day is, do we, we find that they show up? Yeah, over overwhelmingly um, that pe people are returning to court. Um, there was a great study with um, the bail project in Compton, um, you know, where there there's it's still cash bails happening, but they're funding people's cash bail, so it's not coming out of pocket. Where out of everyone they funded, overwhelmingly everyone returned to court for their hearings. Um, in addition, when we have there are easy systems we can put in place, like effective reminders for people of when their court dates are. Uh, transportation assistance to get to court. You know, it's impossible to park downtown if you even have a car in the first place. Um, and then, you know, additional support from local community organizations can help people, you know, get childcare, you know, make up for missed work, things like that to get people into court. So I, I think, you know, saying that we're going to have these criminals running free and escaping the system is just this like old fear mongering tactic that's been used forever. And it's really not the case. Um, so for someone who hasn't been uh, through the court process, um, I'm, I'm sure you have as a legal fellow, Lord knows I've had to do this. Uh, you mentioned effective reminders. Um, what's the process like of going to your court date? Is that something that you think could be improved? Yeah, I mean, I think, First of all, um, like I mentioned before, when you're arrested, that doesn't automatically mean that charges are going to be brought against you and you're going to have a criminal case. It can be really difficult to find out if you're if charges are being brought against you. Um, so, you know, you can search online, but the, the truth is that the prosecuting agencies basically have up until the day of your court hearing to file the charges. So starting with that, people are having to go into court just to hear that their cases are dismissed which is great that, or not even dismissed, that they're not being brought in the first place. So it's great that charges are not being filed against folks, but they could be notified, you know, a week in advance, even 48 hours, 24 hours in advance, that they don't need to show up to court, especially in the pandemic. Um, and, you know, so that's kind of the first, the first step of the confusion. Um, and then, you know, from there, when you're in court, you know, your public defender can work with you and they'll, you know, they'll let you know when your next court date is and the judge will announce it. But, um, you know, simple systems of, you know, text reminders or email reminders or being able to check more easily online or know where to check online could go a long way. Absolutely. Um, so what you're saying is, is there's people coming into the courtroom uh, during the pandemic who don't have any charges filed against them? Yes. Okay. Because, you know, if you, if you, even if you think that you're, if, if you're unsure, um, you know, we'd still advise you to go into court because if you, you, for some reason, think that charges aren't going to be filed against you, maybe your case falls under some of the new charges from the district attorney's office, but there are exceptions. 
and then you decide to not go into court, they can issue a bench warrant for your arrest, which just opens up, you know, a number of other issues. So the the better option is to go in, unfortunately. Got it. Uh, are there any accommodations made for someone who perhaps is high risk or perhaps does test positive for COVID? Um, not really. I mean, uh, it kind of, you know, it depends on the circumstance. And again, this comes into the judge's discretion a lot of, um, you know, if you're, if you can have an attorney go in and appear on your behalf. Um, but, you know, for example, I'm not sure if you saw on our social media recently, but we were contacted by someone uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago, who had a traffic court trial set uh, in Beverly Hills. And he'd already continued his case once and he's, he had, he was sick with COVID and he had a positive test and had symptoms. And so he called the court clerk before to say the day before his trial date to say, you know, what can I do? Um, can I continue my case because I have COVID and continue means come in later, continue is postponed. It's confusing. Um, and the court clerk said, no, he couldn't continue the case because he'd already come in. Uh, he couldn't appear by phone for the trial, which is again for a traffic ticket. Um, and so he's asked, you know, it sounds like my only option is to come in and into court when I have COVID, which is irresponsible. And she said, well, you know, we've actually issued um, arrest warrants for people who've come into the courthouse with COVID. Um, and so he said, you know, what am I supposed to do? And she said, well, you know, if you don't come, you're, you will likely get a failure to appear, which then has its own consequences, including fines. You can get points on your license, things like that. Um, and so he basically was left that his only option was to, you know, not come into court and accept a failure to appear on his record because he had COVID and he was trying to be a good person and not go into court when he was very sick. So this is someone who's, who's essentially receiving a traffic ticket. This is not someone who really physically would need to be there as far as safety concerns or anything like that. So yeah, he had already gotten the traffic ticket and this was the, the trial to, you know, if he wanted to plead um, or contest it. Got it. Um, let's talk a little bit. I know that you, you sort of have your eyes on the ground uh, in the court system right now. Uh, one pretty big sea change is the election of new district attorney, George Gascon. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy with this election. I think you can probably agree with that. Um, with the removal of cash bail, as well as with new directives towards prosecutors. Have you noticed that there's a change in this sort of feeling that you're seeing from prosecutors that are working under him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't, I don't wanna paint everyone with a broad brush and say, all the deputy district attorneys are not following. There's, you know, tons of the deputy district attorneys are, you know, taking it in stride and following the policies and we absolutely commend them for that. Um, but, you know, unfortunately we are seeing a lot of pushback. Um, and again, this is really going back to the fear mongering tactics that I mentioned before this, we're seeing the same language, the same narratives that um, were used in the eighties and nineties to fuel mass incarceration to what it is today of, you know, these stories of, you know, all the murderers are going to be running free and kidnapping your children and destroying Los Angeles County. And that's really, I mean, of course, not at all the case. And, you know, if you actually take time to read through the directives and they all come with introductions and explaining, you know, the scientific evidence of that they're based off of, that's not the case. But, um, you know, we are seeing right off, right off the bat, we're seeing, um, 
deputy district attorneys who are, you know, filing the motions to dismiss certain allegations or enhancements and then saying on the record, you know, Your Honor, you don't have to, in the interest of justice, you're free to deny my motion and there's not enough evidence to support my motion, um, which is pretty nuts to see lawyers, you know, filing one thing and then arguing against it. Um, or, you know, refusing to follow them at all. And we're also unfortunately seeing the same thing on the judge side. And of course, the judges are not bound by the district attorney's directives, but, you know, you're having a deputy district attorney arguing for no bail and the public defender also arguing for no bail. And then the judge deciding to impose bail for other reasons. Got it. So, so basically, for a layman, what we're seeing, mm -hmm. what you're saying is if you have, uh, the district attorney who's an elected official um, instituting what essentially is the reform that his ticket was based on in order to get elected. Um, he's in charge of the district attorney's office. The people that are working under him are basically not following these directives in some cases. Yeah, Would that that's, be accurate? Yeah. That's an accurate statement. Um, and you know, we're seeing it go beyond that to stories being shared with the press, um, even kind of the case details being shared with the press that should likely otherwise be confidential. Um, some folks are even organizing a recall effort um, and that we've seen deputy district attorneys involved with that. Um, so it's it's pretty concerning. I mean, this is what I think was like 2 million um, folks in Los Angeles County wanted to see. And especially at this time, when we've, as we said, there's such a backlog in cases, you know, it's so dangerous to be bringing people into the courtrooms. I would, you know, like to think that the prosecutors are looking towards dismissing cases that are, you know, low level, not serious offenses to clear out the backlog for themselves and make it a safer work environment for themselves. All right. So um, I guess uh, I know that you're running a little bit long time. So we'll, we'll ask the big questions. Is there um, I guess the, the, the one big thing is, is what, what, can, what can we do to help court watch? Sure. Um, well, if you happen to find yourself in court, and I hope that you don't for any reason, um, you know, please feel free to report back to us on what you're seeing. And, you know, I mean, I do think one of the kind of troubling things that we're seeing is that there's people keep asking us for action steps and what can we do? And we're kind of just yelling into a void. Um, you know, people, the public defenders union, house, a housing attorney coalition have tried to talk to the presiding judge, Kevin Brazil, to just no avail. Um, you know, we've reached out to the board of supervisors over the last few months. And so, you know, it's kind of like there's, there's no one to kind of talk to. So I think that really just increasing the public awareness of what's going on is ultimately kind of our best strategy for putting pressure on the courts. Um, so just, you know, sharing this information, you know, people don't, this is kind of a corner of our local government that people don't necessarily know about if they're not directly involved in it. Um, and it's really important, I think. So just sharing the message and sharing these pictures and the stories that we're hearing, um, I think is going a long way. And people can find uh, court watches, pictures and things like that on Twitter uh, at court watch, correct? Yes, so uh, we're at Court Watch LA on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and then you can also feel free to shoot us an email, courtwatchlosangeles at gmail.com. I, uh, I highly recommend the Twitter page. It's actually been really useful for me. 
uh, just to kind of understand an element of, I think, the, the city and the county that you don't really see until you're unfortunately part of it. Um, yeah. And it's been, you know, I, I can't tell you how many of those pictures you look at. There's no reason that this has to exist. So, absolutely. Port Watch is an organization. So, would it be fair to say that uh, you're asking for a moratorium on any eviction related court cases? You're asking for a program where people who are not being convicted of violent offenses and who aren't looking for jail time could conceivably call in or use Zoom, and you're asking for uh, safer measures in the court, would that be a good summary? Yeah, yeah I think so pretty much. I think um, moratorium on uh, eviction and traffic trials, for sure. Um, I do, we do think that any criminal trials would be best happening in person, but um, I think that we don't, we need, we do need to be having trials for folks who are in custody, but I don't think these, you know, low level, nonviolent, not serious cases really need to be happening in the first place. And we also think that, you know, folks should not be held in custody when they haven't even been convicted of a crime at all. And especially during the midst of the pandemic. And then, like you said, you know, once we do get into the court buildings, um, we need, you know, safety procedures to be put in place. And I did forget to mention, but I do want to mention speaking of uh, the court buildings is that there's no screening happening at the doors when people are coming in. Um, no temperature checks, sure. no questions happening. No, They're, they do. They have been checking to see if you're a necessary party. So you're not just a general member of the public, but you know, you could walk right in there uh, with COVID-19 and it's been happening and there's, they're not checking for that at all. All right. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say? No, I mean, um, we, you know, we're just really disappointed um, in the Superior Court's response to this. Um, it's just incredibly unsafe um, for folks who are in custody, for the attorneys that are working in the buildings, for the court staff that are working in the buildings. Um, and we really need to see some changes. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Please stay safe. Thank you. You stay as well. Safe.